Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. At lunch, I know you're full, but this is so important, folks. We're, we're, you're sailing through troubled waters. Your family's sailing through troubled waters. As the captain of this ship, I guess, I don't want to lose any of you along the way. And through the years, we, we've lost some people who have caved in to uh, compromise and uh, who just didn't want to take the stand that really I th- they, they should have uh, taken. I don't want to lose you. The temptations are all around you because sometimes it can be a challenge um, living the Christian life in an ever-increasing environment that's growing more and more hostile to Christians, but it means it's all the more important that we be that remnant, that we be that light. So uh, I I trust you'll pay attention. Now, we're going to start at at slide number one, Yeah, and I'll just cue you because we're going to kind of review up, so you listen, I'll I'll cue you where we're going. So we are talking about with being different. Another way to put it is this. Let me give you a mental image of, of what we have to do. We are in the world, okay? We are Christians, we live in the world, but we're not to be of the world, okay? You need to understand that concept. You need to teach it to your children. It's kind of like a boat is in the water, but you don't want the water in the boat. Now, that's a challenge when the waves around you are stormy. But let me say that again. You, you, you have the boat in the water. That's us as Christians in the world. But you don't want the water in the boat. You don't want the world in Christians. And it takes a mature, committed Christian to understand that. Otherwise, this world will put so much pressure on you, your flesh will be so weak that you will cave, you'll find yourself either out of church completely or in a, a, a compromising church. One that's neither hot nor cold, it's just lukewarm. You know what the Lord says about that. So, we want to stay on the straight and narrow. Now, it will require that we understand at times we have to be different. Not all the time in everything. You you go to a ball game and cheer with everybody else. But there are certain situations where you you cannot participate. Even if they make fun of you. Even if you get fired. There are some places where we have to take a stand. Nobody likes to be different, but we're called upon to be different. The second slide, Titus 2.11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Now those are instructions to us. Those aren't instructions to unsaved people, because they're not going to listen anyway. So you see, we're different. We're We're called upon to be different. Why? Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. We're not to be taking part in iniquity. And purify unto himself a peculiar people. That's what I'm talking about. Compared to the rest of the world, we are a peculiar people. We are different. And so we're going to skip down to slide number seven. And in um, 
2 Corinthians, it explains explicitly how we are different. You have to understand that. Yes, the unsaved people in your life, they are a different human being, fundamentally different. They think differently. They act differently. They react differently. We're not playing games here. A Christian is a different person from a non-Christian. And, and it begins in verse number 14. He, 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 the Lord lists us fundamental reasons why we're different. Christians live in righteousness, whereas non-Christians live in unrighteousness. It says that in verse number 14. The next slide, number 8. Christians walk in light, whereas non-Christians walk in darkness. So we're going we're to see things differently from them. And therefore, we're going to act differently than them if we're doing it right. And if we're being like them, you, you got it wrong. You're messing up somewhere. The next slide, verse number 15. Here's, here's again, the Lord's explaining it. Christians have Christ as their father, whereas non-Christians have Belial or Satan as their father. Next, Christians believe, whereas non-Christians live life as an infidel or an unbeliever. And we said last week, Another difference, and these are so profound. Christians are the temple of God, whereas non-Christians worship at the temple of idols. Go down to a saloon right now and bring a lost guy inebriated in here. He's going to be as out of place. He's going to feel so odd. What? He's different take you down to a bar room right now and the music's playing and people are cussing and men and women are being inappropriate one another, you're going to feel out of place. We are fundamentally different. Now, we'll pick up where we left off last week. Why are Christians different? It's important that you understand this. And I'm just going to tell you what the Bible says. That's my job as a pastor, to tell you as effectively and as accurately as I possibly know how, what the Bible says. Why are Christians different? Well, in that same passage where it listed the differences, then it gives us the why. Because it says in in verse number 16, For, for, you have all these differences, for or because ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them, and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So after distinguishing a lost soul from a saved soul, he gives us two reasons why we're different. The first reason, we are different because God, crazy as it may sound, has a physical presence in us. When you get saved, God resides in you, the, the form of the Holy Spirit. Look at what he says after he gives you all these differences as to why we're different, which, is explain, which explains why at work you're not interested in what those lost people are interested in. You don't see it like they see it. That's why you clash on so many issues or with kinfolks that are lost. We're different because God has a physical presence in us. So after giving that list, he says, for ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. We act and we behave differently from our 
unsaved neighbors, our unsaved co-workers, because he is in us. He is with us. There is a physical presence of God in us, and that makes a difference. You know, I I would assume a group of privates in the army are going to act differently as to whether their commanding officer is right there with them or not. I imagine when the commanding officer shows up, those privates that might want to be less disciplined and take more liberties might shape things up. Why? Because the commanding officer is there with them. And it is true that you and I, knowing that the Holy Spirit is in us, if we're smart, we're a little more careful what we say, what we think, what we do, because we know we carry the Holy Spirit with us. We clean things up in our lives because God is literally in us in the form of the Holy Spirit. Not true with our unsaved friends. They're focused on themselves. There is zero Holy Spirit residing in them. Zero God in them. So when he explains the differences, we know why we're different in part because the Holy Spirit resides in us. That occurs when you get saved. The Bible's very clear about that. But then in the same verse, he gives us a second reason. We're different not only because he is in us, we're different because God has a relational attachment to us. There's a relationship there. He says, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. We are a peculiar people because God lives in us, but also because we have a relationship. He has a relationship with us. We live differently because of our relationship with God. I mean, relationships are a wonderful thing. I love being around you. But when I'm around my children, my grandchildren, it's it's different. We, we have a, a relationship, a, a binding family relationship that, that is special. There's just that special relationship there. And I act differently towards my, my children than I do towards other people's children. I love other people's children, but there's something different. Lost people don't have that experience whatsoever. They have zero relationship with God. And for us saved people, you have to stop and think about it. It's hard for us to imagine. It's hard for me to imagine that. Because I'm just used to this relationship with God. I'm used to this, him living in me, this, this, this attachment. And the idea is so foreign to me that there are people in this world that have no relationship with God. But it's true. We're different because of God's physical presence in us, and his relational attachment to us. So, in this passage, the Lord has listed all these reasons and ways in which we are different. Okay? And then he explains why. Because I am living in you. I'm not living in them. I have a relationship with you. I don't have a relationship with them. He wants one, but they aren't interested, at least at the point in time. So then... In that same passage, he gives us a challenge. This is a hard one. 
Some of you really struggle with this one. You want to do everything everybody else is doing. You want to be accepted by everybody else at work. Students won't, don't want to be odd at school, want everybody else to come. This is a, this is a hard one. This is one, of the, this is one of the toughest things we as Christians face. His instructions on how to deal with this difference. Now again, in many ways, we can be in the world. But we have to be careful when the world gets in us. Okay? And it's under those circumstances that we have to implement these instructions here. He goes on to say in that same passage. Now remember, he has made a distinction between the righteous and the unrighteous, light and darkness. He, he is comparing and contrasting. And then he explains why. Well, you have the Holy Spirit in you. You have a relationship with God. They have neither. Now having said that, he says, here's how you to be different. Here's one of the hardest things you'll ever have to live in your Christian life. But our success as a church is dependent on it. And we cannot compromise it. The world may attack us harder, pressure us more. We cannot budge one inch. Second Corinthians 16 says this, can you do it? Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord. Two things he says here, and these are tough. I'll admit they're tough. And, and, and when you falter, you just have to ask God's forgiveness. And when you falter and I find out about it, I'm still going to love you. I'm going to still hope and pray that you can learn to take a better stand and stand more strongly. To be different, he says, number one, you have to come out. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Whenever the water starts coming in the boat, you got to get it out. you got to bail it out. That's what he's saying here. You can be in the water. You can be in the world. And we have to function in the world. And where we can get along with people, we should. We should be good neighbors to save people and to unsaved neighbors. We, we, should, we, we should be good workers, whether our boss is saved or unsaved. But you have to have the wisdom to know when the water's starting to get in the boat. And at that point in time, you have to do what it says here. Come out from among them. One writer said, It is not only irrational and sacrilegious, but disobedient to be bound together with unbelievers. This certainly applies in marriage. I mean, this is, this is one of the primary verses as to why uh, a, a, a saved person should never marry, date, even be interested in an unsaved person. But I don't want to be alone. Again, you see, there's the pressure. That's, there's an obvious situation. But I don't want to be alone, and he's cute, and maybe he'll get saved someday and what have you. No. I mean, at some point in time, you've got to take your faith seriously. At some point in time, you know, people always put it off. Well, we'll miss church this week for a ball game. Or we'll miss church this for, you know, at, at what time are you going to, when are you going to take a stand and say, no, 
We're, we're always rationalizing. He said, it is not only irrational and sacrilegious, but disobedient to be bound together with unbelievers. When believers are saved, they are to disengage themselves from all forms of false religion and make a clean break from all sinful habits and old idolatrous patterns. Come ye out from among them and be ye separate. Let me say, I know that's hard. When all the kids are going to the prom and everybody's doing it, your kid's going to come to you and say, but everybody's doing it. When are you going to take a stand? At what point are you going to take a stand? Right is right and wrong is wrong. And the Bible's very clear. And again, I'm trying to, this is our ship. And I want us to all make it to the other side. And when your children start saying, but everybody's going to the prom, you're about to jump overboard. And the pressure is there. We have lost more families through the years. When kids were young, no problems. Brother Jamie, let them get in high school. The kids start putting pressure on mom and dad. Well, we want to go with everybody's doing. You're trying to make us look up. That's when we've lost more families in this church at that point in time. And for any other reason, since I've been here in the, how many years, Sandy? Almost 28. I'm, that's a fact. That, that, that's a fact. We, we've had families do fine in this church. So their kids get up 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th grade. And the families know, man, preacher just preached on the prom. And here it is, graduation. And, you know, I got to make a decision. Well, I got to live with little Susie. Pastor. We've decided your preaching is a little too shallow. So we're going to be moving on to another church where there's deeper preaching. Amen me, Jamie. Okay. (laughs) Jamie worked exclusively with young people pretty much down in Florida. He he knows. He knows how it goes. Look, look. and I I love you. That's, you know. And I'm going to go home. And Sharon's going to hear it from me. I was too hard. I, I shouldn't have said it. I didn't. But I love you. And I love God more. D- does it not say, come ye out from among them and be, these, be ye separate? Does it not say, am I preaching you God's word? Yeah, I know it's hard. I know it's hard. You, you, have, you have my sympathy, if you will, or whatever. And, and if you mess it up, I'm not going to write you off if, if, you, if you'll just keep trying. But don't you throw in the towel. And he goes on to say, to be different, you must not participate with them. And touch not the unclean thing. You've got to have the wisdom and discernment to be able to spot what is unclean. And guess what? You're going to have to judge. And your family's not going to like it one bit. But it's biblical. I'm here to teach you to be biblical and commit you to being biblical. I like this quote from Albert Barnes. Christians were to avoid all unholy contact with a vain and polluted world. The sense is, have no close connection with an idolater or an unholy person. Be pure and feel that you belong to a community that is under its own laws and that it is to be distinguished in moral purity from all the rest of the world. you may have to, you know, we're in the world. You may have to work, and you will. You'll, you'll have to work with lost people. 
You'll have to buy, you'll have to shop and do business with lost people. But you don't go to their drunken parties. You, you, you don't go to their dances. You, you, you don't get quiet about your faith because you're afraid you might hurt them. And let me tell you this too. You know, I've done quite a bit of study on rural ministry. This is harder to practice in r- where, where you live because we're interconnected in a rural community. And everybody knows everybody. In a city, you, you can be anonymous. You know, I mean, your neighbors don't even know you. And you don't even know them in, in, in many city situations. So what I'm preaching to you this afternoon, it's more challenging where we live. That, that's a fact. Because if I take a stand, my, my son, he's, he's getting up to be older, and he's going to want to get a job with Mr. Johnson. And, uh, and if Mr. Johnson thinks we're a legalistic church, then my son's not going to be able to get a job with him. So... Honey, we may have to change churches because we're depending on him getting that job. You follow me? But at what point in time are you going to exhibit faith and just knowing that you're doing the right thing rather than saying, well, I'm going to do what i got to do and I'll take my chances with God. That's kind of the attitude, sadly, a lot of people have. I'm going to do what we're going to do and we'll just take our chances with God. I can't preach to you that that's okay because it's not. And let me say this. It says, come ye out from among them and be ye separate. Touch not the unclean thing. Uh, Since I'm there, let me just go all the way. You might not ever let your kids go over to such and such's house, which would be a good thing, or participate in this or that. But do you bring it into your home? Do these ungodly Blind people, unrighteous people, do you invite them into your home through your TV, through videos, through the internet, uh, through music? You say, Pastor, we got to be careful about all of that. Um, yeah. You say, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. You mean I have to filter everything if you want to get it right, if you want to be blessed? You say, it's hard work. Yeah. You, you may not let them go to this or that, but at the same time, you're watching this or that or listening to this or that. You know? We're called upon to be a peculiar people. And it is hard work. And it's particularly hard work for parents, it's particularly hard work for teenagers. Because teenagers, they're not fully mature, and they want to be accepted, they want to be liked, that's important, and don't want to be an oddball. Look, if if you're putting them in a situation where they're pressured, maybe they shouldn't be in that situation if they can't handle it. Amen me, Jamie. Thank you. (laughs) You know, I mean, you got one shot with your kids. Rich Putnam's three adult kids, from what I could tell, are as fine of people as you'll ever meet. And as I said yesterday, it wasn't by accident. It it wasn't by accident that they got that way. Rich and Linda were on it. And they were blessed because of it. We face the pressures from without. Everybody at work's doing it. Everybody at work is talking about it, what they watched and what they saw. 
Nobody likes being an oddball. But it's the oddballs that are the salt and the light. And that's what this world needs. You're going to be part of the problem or you're going to be part of the, of the cure. So what have we learned? We've learned where we're different as a Christian. This passage spelled that out. Why we are different as Christians, because he lives in us and we have a relationship with him. And then how we're to be different. We've also learned, and this is a fact, I can't sugarcoat it. Being different invites attention. Being different invites criticism. Being different invites discrimination or being discriminated against. But if you're experiencing that, wouldn't that make you a lot like Jesus? Or do you not want to be like Jesus? I want to avoid that part. I just want the good part. I just want the softball game next week. Yeah, but the softball game next week may come at the expense of your job tomorrow when you tell the boss, no, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to do that. How do we deal with being different, lastly? This is the practical application. This is the... let's, Let's... Sharon, I'm going to try to end on a positive note. Because she's the one that gets to hear it all the way home after a while. Understand, number one, that being different gives you authenticity. I talked a little bit about that when? Wednesday night? The authentic Christian life is essentially and radically different from the natural life lived by a man or woman. Outwardly, it can be very much the same, but inwardly, the basis of living is dramatically different. Christ is a part of every wholesome action, the corrector of every wrong deed or thought, the giver of joy and the healer of hurt. No longer merely on the edges of life, Christ is the center of everything. Life revolves around him. As a consequence, life comes into proper focus. Despite outward trials, a deep peace possesses the heart, strength grips the spirit, and kindness and joy radiate abroad. This is really living. When you practice this biblical truth of separation, it helps you to be authentic. It it, it may hurt you in some areas, But in the bigger picture, it's going to promote the cause of Christ. Lost people, as a rule, have a sense of how Christians ought to be. They they know when you're being like them. They know when you're you're compromising. They they have a, a sense of how Christians ought to be. And, and Christians that are playing at it or giving in or compromising or letting the world call the shots for them, they're not interested. It's called being salt and light. And we're salt and light when we're authentic. The average lost person today knows that Christians are supposed to be honest, trustworthy, compassionate, integrity, Moral, and that is a huge weapon for us to use to reclaim this nation. 
to the Lord. Authenticity. Compromise is anything but. Understand that being different gives you authenticity. And I said the other day, that's maybe the number one thing we need as at Mayo Baptist Church. Not playing games, not putting on a show, not trying to impress people when they come in. We got the best stage show of any church around. No. Music that they recognize as being authentic. Preaching that they recognize as being authentic. And people that aren't perfect, but people that are just real. Can we say authentic? Number two. And this is related. Realize that being different gives you credibility. A compromiser has no credibility with the world. All these pitiful little uh, contemporary praise bands that are nothing more than wannabe rock bands. Amen me, Jamie. Amen. <laughs> I mean, it really is true. A lot of these praise bands, these are just wannabe rock band people. I mean, that's all they want. And, and given the chance, they would jump at it. And some of them, some of them have. Those little praise bands, they don't have any impact on the world. They see them for what they are. But a group of people in a congregation or a soloist up here or a group that's singing a song that reflects the character of God and the truth of his word, that's powerful. In this day and age, that is power. That gives you credibility. The compromisers with the world, they have no credibility. The world can see through that. Understand that being different gives you authenticity. So I'm, I'm giving you the plus side. I, I've, I've acknowledged it's hard to live separate in, in, a, in a world like we're living in today. I, I acknowledge that, folks. Okay, And I understand that you might have a slipsy every now and then. Okay, I'm still going to love you. If, if I hear that you've done something that I think is strictly contrary to Scripture, I'm still going to love you. I understand you, ha- you have your struggles. But now I'm giving you the positive. When you do take a stand, it gives you, on the positive side, authenticity. It gives you credibility. I mean, the Roman official concerning Jesus, I find no fault with him. And then be aware that being different gives you opportunity. Being different gives you opportunity. For example, in the business world, being different means standing out. It means being a step ahead. It's about being that much better than the competition um, that you win the sale. Okay? Being different will will give you opportunity. Okay? we studied that at Pensacola Christian College in, in, in graduate school. And they talk about, uh, in, in the secular world, they talk about the differential advantage. You know, one of the great competitions is between McDonald's and, and Burger King. And, and what, what gave Burger King the edge in their mind and what they really promoted was that their burgers were flame broiled. Bonnie, you remembered. They were so that's the differential advantage. Come, don't don't go to McDonald's. Go go to Burger King because theirs are flame broiled, not not on a griddle. Ooh, who wants to eat a hamburger off a griddle? They would say. 
It's a differential advantage. It gives you an opportunity. <clears throat> Those people making fun of you at work because you're not sitting in on their dirty stories. One of them one day is going to have a real problem. And they're going to remember you at work. You weren't arrogant. You weren't mean. You were kind. You were respectful to them. But they knew that you didn't listen to their stories. And you're not going to go to the same place as they go on Friday night. And when they have a problem, they're going to come to you. You're going to have an opportunity. Why? Because you have credibility. Because you have authenticity. When you're willing to be different, you may put yourself in a difficult situation with some men, but you put yourself in a blessed situation with God. So what, well, here's what you do. Let me, let me give you the last practical point. Don't wait for the situation to arise and under the pressure make a decision of how you're going to respond. Decide ahead of time. That when push comes to shove, if it costs you your job, if it costs you being invited back, or whatever, you're going to do the right thing. Just decide that ahead of time. You, you young people in school. It, it, look, it was hard enough for me trying to be a Christian when I was in high school. I can only imagine how it is now. But you have to decide ahead of time. Now, are you going to live for the Lord or no? And you'll be tested. We'll be tested. Probably all of us will be tested tomorrow. I want to get you across these rough seas to to the other side, intact, and with a good testimony. I realize what I'm preaching this afternoon is hard. I mean, it's just, it's it's hard swimming upstream. Everybody else going downstream, floating down there? You know, I never will forget. I was visiting somebody on the Osable River, and they were kind of up on a high bank. And we're standing out here talking, and the river's way down over here. And there was like 50 people coming by. I think I've told this before. It's one of the funniest things I've ever been a part of. And there's like 50 people come out, and they're all in inner tubes, kind of all interlocked together, just one big glob of inner tubes going down. So I'm standing up there on the high bank, and I got the wonderful idea to yell down at them, Go back! Go back! Sharks! Sharks! Go back! They, they just bought into it. The girls started screaming, sort of kicking their feet, trying to go backwards. Guys were diving off, swimming upstream. It's one of the funniest things uh, you've ever seen. And I have no idea what that has to do with what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's easy to go downstream. Remind me to give you a raise, Jamie. It's easy to go downstream. But it's only the people going upstream that's going to make a difference. And we need you. We need you to be strong. We need you to be mature. I'm not preaching anything that isn't totally 100% scriptural this afternoon. 
And, and as your pastor, you know, the Bible gives us the principles. The, the pastor is set as the watchman on the wall to point out the particulars. You know, there are things i got to point out today. Look, the Apostle Paul, he didn't have to say, watch out for the videos. You know, he didn't, he didn't have to say that. But that's why God gives us the principles, but he gives you a pastor who is supposed to interpret this in, in light of today's problems. And a caring pastor isn't going to be silent. Let me tell you, there's some uncaring pastors. There was a movie out a number of years ago that I, I never saw it, but I had heard about it because a lot of people were going to it. Then I heard what was in it, and I thought, what? I mean, some bad stuff in the movie. And there was a local pastor. He's not here at this time, but he came by my office one time. And I asked him, I said, would you ever preach against that? He said, oh, no. Isn't that my job? There's nothing, there's, there's nothing worse than a, 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 a warning dog that don't bark. I love you folks. And it's getting harder. It's not getting easier. But that means your role is more important. More important than ever before. We need authenticity. When you stand, you get that. We need credibility. When you stand, we get that. We need opportunity. When we stand, you get that. So, let's stand. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Mayo Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.